Hello, this is Arthur Bush. You're listening to Radio Free Flint. Thanks for joining us. My guest today is Marquise Gray, former Michigan State University star and a professional basketball player. During his time at Michigan State, he followed in the footsteps of the Flintstones in 2000. He has a string of success in basketball, and now he's extending that success to working with kids in the Flint community. During our interview, he he mentions that he sees himself in each of these boys. Marquise Gray is a winner in the game of basketball, and he's a winner in the game of life. And I'm honored to have Marquise Gray as my guest. I have with me today the pride of Flint and Beecher, Marquise Gray. Welcome, Marquise. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing good. It's an honor to see you again. I haven't seen you in many years. Many uh, years, many years. And uh, we've both moved on, other things. Tell us a little bit about what, what it was like to play for Tom Izzo at Michigan State University. You know, I get that question a lot. The thing that I uh, that comes to mind when asked, though, is, uh, one, it, you learn how to be mentally tough. And not just in basketball, but uh, coach taught life lessons. And he still teaches life lessons. He teaches how to fight through adversity. He teaches about the things that will happen and become after basketball. And those lessons carry you throughout your life. So, you know, I was lucky and fortunate to play for, you know, a Hall of Fame or coach like that. To still be able to, to eat from the, from the seeds he planted in an 18-year-old kid, almost being, being 40, to being 40 now and still being able to to find strength and encouragement through those lessons I learned learned from him. Now you had quite a successful high school career yeah. at at Beecher. Yep. And your high school career included some terrific honors. Uh, yeah. You were player of the year in class C, according to the Associated Press. You were whatever the dream team is for the Detroit Free Press. Yeah. I I always wondered don't they ever have like a dream team basketball game where they pick all these people and say, hey, why don't you guys want to play down here in a gym somewhere? No, they started it maybe two or three years after I graduated. But during during my era, they didn't they didn't do that. Then you just got nominated on the team. What's funny about my um, high school basketball career is that a lot of people don't realize is that I had to people see my size and stature now and they just automatically assume I always been like that. But you know, I'm the youngest of six boys who two of them I grew up within the older house within the household. And so I was a little runt, man. I had to fight for everything <laughs> that, I, that I got. And so I kind of carried that mentality onto the court. You were scrappy. Yep. Yep. Now Flint Beecher, did you play for the for the legendary Moses Lacey? Absolutely. I played for Moses Lacey. His actually his brother Solomon Lacey was the coach, but Moses Lacey was at every practice. We kind of were in, more inclined to listen to him than we were uh, Coach Saul. There are so many things I can say about Malays, but one of the main things is just him him being embodying of what a lot of us kids needed at that time, and that's some tough love and fatherhood. Now, he there's did. another guy at Beecher. I wondered if you could make a comment about him. Was uh, Joe Franklin? Joe L. Franklin. Wow. Yep. Um, there's a Beecher legend for you. A Beecher, a Beecher legend. The Frank, the Franklin family, the Frank, the Franklin brothers. Um, but so coach Frank, man, I remember being a seventh grader and my very, one of my very first introductions to him, he always used to carry around like before the games, I used to see him give the players powder, grit powder. He would put it in their hands. He also was a ref at that time when, uh, the little league program out in Beecher was still going on. 
So he ref one of my games. He also coached one of my older brothers. So we're in the game and he's refing and uh, he made a call I didn't like. I didn't yell or scream or do anything at him. I pat him on his behind and said, good call. And he gave me a tech. So that was my first introduction. <laughs> don't mess with the don't mess don't with the referee. With, yeah, yeah. And he is a big tall guy too. Yep, he he was, man. You know, Moses Lacey, Coach Franklin, the Franklin brothers, another name people forget, Larry Foster. Those guys embodied what it meant to give back to the community. Vera B. Rising, um, Joyce Jackson, um, all those people who made it possible for a kid like me. Without that Little League program out here in Beecher, a lot of us would have been doing who God knows what. But every Saturday morning, from 9 a.m. to about 3 p.m., the gym was filled with kids who had dreams and aspirations of being the next one to put on the Beecher jersey and make some noise. And so, yeah. you know, that's kind of why I do do what I do, because that's the cloth that, I, that I'm cut from. Beer B. Rice is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yep. Very dear friend. And I will say this. You probably didn't see this at your age, but whenever uh, they came, you know, Mr. Kirkland came, Coach Kirkland from Northwestern Kirk, and yep. some of the others, I'm trying to think Earl's last name, who was getting money for summer programs for the kids. Yep. What was his last name? He had Jordan. Yeah, Earl Jordan. A legend, a legend in Flint. A legend. A legend. I claim that many boys would have never made it to big time college basketball without his without, in, without influence. Yeah. And just to just I mean, just to extend it, you know, coach coach him on. Every yeah. player that ever done anything with basketball from that was maybe starting ending at my era came through Coach Amon's FA program, Flint Affiliation. Yeah. I was gonna ask you about that, the AAU teams. Beer B, Mr. Franklin. Uh-huh. And others, Coach Kirkland, who I worked with many years, tried to get him some money for his programs in the summer months. Well before all this, I mean, we had good players from Flint, but we grew big players because we put money into it. At the County Board of Commissioners, we would get yeah. money for these programs. I'm a basketball junkie, and I practiced law with Duncan Beagle for almost 11 years. So, you know, he's a basketball yeah. junkie. I wouldn't have been able to go back to the law office if I didn't vote for that money. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I represented a good part of Mount Morris Township, nearly the whole township. I, I think back to those days and I think of that investment and I wonder why we don't keep that up. Let me ask you some other questions. Your father, yeah. was he a basketball coach? No, my father wasn't a basketball coach. My family is originally from Mississippi. I'm not Mississippi, Memphis, Memphis, you know, down South Alabama. My father, my father worked, my work ethic came from my father. I saw him wake up early, come in late. I saw him do things that he didn't necessarily want to do, but had a family to take care of. And so, you know, he did what he had to do. My father was a, was a workhorse though kindest, most intelligent man I ever met. My father named Joseph Washington Jr. What he, my dad, I mean, just the character. I learned about hard work. I learned how to have good character, but then I also learned the definition of love. And my father would give you the shirt off his back. What I also learned from him, though, is is the value of taking care of yourself. My father probably died at an early age because he didn't take care of himself, his health-wise. Doctor's visits, no exercise, not eating right. You know, so I learned that too. But no, man, my, my dad was a workhorse and he didn't play the radio. So like I said, I'm the youngest he of did, six boys. He didn't play the radio. 
he didn't play. I'm mm-hmm. the youngest of six. That means that he didn't play around. He didn't have any. Oh, 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 oh I see. So, so I, I'm the youngest of six. His first set of three boys. But so by the time he got to me, he had no patience. He said something once. If it wasn't done, then it was hell to pay the captain. And he uh, had a lot. Of, he had a lot of practice up to that point. Yeah, yeah, he did. So I made sure that you know. That, that was the, I always said, it's, it's two people that I feared. One was my father, and then the other one was good, the good Lord above. Now, did, did any of your brothers play basketball? Yep. The fourth one, Quentin Gray, uh, he played at Beecher as well. He was on those, that 97, 98, those teams. And then my other brother was next to him. He played, he was on the state championship team or the state, the state runner-up team in the year 2000. With Brandon Stewart, Joe Brown, David Grant, my brother Keenan, Keenan Gray, those guys. So those two played before me here at Beecher. All of us wore the same number. Putting on that, coming to Beecher and playing in the program at that time was like a rite of passage. It was like a, it was like a, a brotherhood, a secret society, a sacred brotherhood to play behind my brothers. Actually, Keenan, who's next to me, he was a senior when I was a freshman. At that time, we had three programs. We had the freshman program, the JV program, and varsity program. Well, at the end of the year, they would bring the best freshman and JV players up to varsity. So I actually got to play with my brother in some tournament. What does Beecher mean to you, Marquis? It means everything. Part of the reason why I do what I do and why I came back is because, you know, I said this before in uh, other interviews, I owe this community. I was the kid that would run around the neighborhood and everybody knew me and everybody loved me. And I would be at your house by the time you got from work and I'll be in your refrigerator and eating and sitting on your couch as if I lived there. <laughs> but the whole community accepted me. At that time, it was kids being kids. Wasn't no technology, wasn't no cell phone, wasn't no Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or, or any of that stuff. It was kids outside playing. So if we're at my house and you live on, you live on across the street, you're at my house, the same rules that you know, I abide by, you abide by, and vice versa. And so when it was dinner time at my house and you were at my house, you ate. If it was dinner time and I was at your house, I ate. And so it was really a close-knit community. You know, it means everything to me because in each and every one of these kids, I see myself. It still is a close-knit community. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. It's a very close-knit community, and we make sure that we take care of our of our own. And there's some great people that have worked there, like you said, yeah, uh, Larry Foster, uh, Je- Franklin, a lot of good coaches, including Mr. Yep. Lacey, who's Exclude one of my Coach personal, Lacey. one of my personal favorites. Yeah. A- anyway, he's right up there with Jack Pratt in my mind as one of the best coaches. But let me go on from there. You you hung around uh, Beecher a long time, but you went off to Michigan State, wonderful place to go to college. Yeah, uh, it was. It I was. know that. I know that because that's that's also where I went. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I taught there, actually, Marquise. I did teach there really? from 1979 okay. till 1982. Oh, wow. In the School of Business. So you went off to Michigan State. You were recruited by Tom Izzo, I take it? Yes. So the first, so let me put it in for backtrack and put it in perspective a little bit. When I came on the scene in the year 2000, three guys from here, from Flint, had just won a national championship. And year before that, the four guys went to a final four, Antonio Smith, Team Cleaves, Morris Peterson, Charlie Bell. Once I kind of became one of the guys that were, you know, looked at as 
potentially the next guy from here as far as basketball. Those guys embraced me. Then, so those guys won in 2000. In 2001, the National Gatorade Player of the Year, Kelvin Tolbert, went to Michigan State. And so 2001, 2002 is kind of when I really, like, breakout years for me and when I kind of separated myself from my, my peers and my competition as far as basketball. And I was the next guy to, like, be in line, the, the Flint pipeline, to go there. Um, for me, it was a no-brainer. You were a Flintstone. Um, yep, no-brainer. I just watched three guys who I hang out with, and with those guys, when they would come home in the summer, they would, hey, this is where we playing at. They would come pick me up, and you in the gym with us. You, you don't have a choice. You go into, you in the gym with us, okay? You don't After have a choice they, when Mateen Cleaves tells you to get your ass to the gym. No, you, don't have, you don't have a choice. I loved it because it was like it was a brotherhood, and not only myself. So I was the youngest in there, but so those four guys in there, Antonio, Mateen, Charlie, uh, Charlie, and Morris. So those guys. Then you got Kelvin Tobert in the gym with us. And then people forget his name, but you got Matt Trannon in there. You got Deontay Harvey. You got Corey Hightower in the gym. You got Trannon was uh, a beast. He was a beast, a beast. You got him in the gym. You got William Hatchard in the gym. You got Gregory Burks in the gym. I'm the youngest of all those guys, but they embrace me. And so what is happened there a was, style? Is there a style of basketball? Gritty. Yeah. Go um, ahead with your story. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Gritty. No, no, it's gritty. Uh, Corey Santee used to be in those runs. And like I said, I'm the youngest and all that. Those guys were already off and on to college. I'm the next guy that's coming up. Those guys embraced me. They took me in. We used to play the game. Every game was like game seven of the finals. You, you didn't actually make it to a finals. Yep. 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 We did. Tell us about uh, that one. Man, it was a, it was a, it was an unforgettable time because it's kind of like a, a storybook kind of a thing where the fight you have a final four in your backyard, right? You playing up playing at Michigan State. Uh, the final four is in Detroit that year. This is 2009. Final four teams was us, North Carolina, UConn, and Villanova. We played against UConn in that first semi, uh, the semifinals. That's so they have AJ Price, Kimball Walker, Hashim to beat. God rest his soul, Stan, Stanley, uh, Stanley Roberts. And um, we were locked and loaded that game. And we went out, literally, we kicked their ass. Yeah. And then who, who was your teammates? Goran Sutan, Travis Walton, Kalen Lucas, Chris Allen, I, Edong, Ebok, Draymond Green. We call him Day Day, though. Delvon Rowe, Raymar Morgan, Corey Lucius was on that team, too. So we, we had a really, really like solid group of guys. Was and, Draymond uh, Green like Mateen Cleaves? Did he tell everybody what to do? No, no. Day Day is Day Day was nothing like he is now. Which, but uh, we saw that potential in him. It's just we were seniors, we were a little older. But what Day Day did do was what Day Day was was a, a X factor because he could pass it. Same stuff he do now. He could pass it. He could dribble it. He could set the offense up. His shot wasn't as good as it is now, but he he could hit an open shot. Yeah. And what he was was a mismatch problem because people forget Draymond was a little chubby, pudgy, pudgy guy. So he looked uh, like he could he looked like he couldn't move, but he could play, move. Yeah, he, he could played move. against my boys' basketball team, Powers. Yep, he could move, and then he was a handful. You know, <laughs> yep, he was a handful. Knew how to use his body, crafty, always around the ball. Yeah, you guys weren't successful against North Carolina. Sort of the same story, nope. different year. 
Yeah. Uh, but you went yeah. on and, and you had quite an experience for yourself. I, I interviewed yep. a while back uh, Marty Embry. I don't know if it, yep. uh, I know Marty. Flint Central star. Yep. Who you sort of took after and followed in his footsteps in some ways because you yeah. went uh, and traveled. Tell us what happened after that championship game and you went off to see the world. So for, before I went off to see the world, though, I was a, a free agent with the Pistons. Oh, yeah. So in 2009, I, I was I played summer league uh, training camp with Detroit. And then when I got cut from Detroit, I went abroad. So I traveled. First stop was Israel. Then from Israel, I went to Turkey. And then from Turkey, I went to Poland. And then Poland to Mexico. And then Mexico back to Turkey. And then Turkey to Japan. And then spent two seasons, two years in, in Japan. And then I ended the last stitch when I retired in, uh, in Turkey. So I, I traveled. And I loved every second and every minute of it. Uh, you, just to be clear, you were playing professional basketball in these professional various, ball, countries. Yeah. various countries. And, and we're running short of time, but I'd like to ask you a couple other questions. You later got involved in working with troubled youth. Yep. So my degree from Michigan State is in social services. So when I first retired, my uh, I worked. I was a supervisor and a counselor for the Boys and Girls Club. I started to get into you know, social services kind of that way. But then I kind of saw a need around at, at different schools and stuff. And so I kind of got involved into the school system. And, you know, I, that's where I've been ever since. And you came back to Beecher at, at one point as an assistant coach yeah. under, uh, was it Coach Williams? Yep, Mike Williams, Coach Mike Williams. I got back. So how that happened was he always used to invite me to practice, tell me to come when I was home from playing overseas or like in the summertime. So, and when I retired, he would, he would tell me, you know, come to practice, man. And I, at first I fought him on it. Cause I'm like, I just got done playing basketball. I don't want to let me, I'm about to relax and then do what, what normal people do. You know, I went the first time he didn't really have to say anything. I, it was my natural inclination to teach and he allowed me to have the floor. And then, so for about, this was at the beginning of the season. About three weeks straight, I was at every practice. It was the day before the game. He threw me a shirt and said, uh, we wear black slacks. And I'm looking at the shirt. I'm like, why you throw me this? He said, dude, you a coach. I said, I ain't no coach. He said, you've been at every practice and you've been doing instruction and breakdown drills and all that stuff. You a coach, dude. And I thought about it like, man, I never really looked at it like that. And man, that was in 2015. And I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> Now you became the head coach, at the, yep. not before your teams won several state championships in a row. Yep. Yeah. We won. How many in a row did they win? We won three back to back. We won. We three-peated. And then yeah. we won Just again that. in 17. And then in 21, we won it again. And then this year, I became the head coach. And I was a part of, you know, those, those teams. Now, but when did you become the head coach? This year, 22. Okay. Yep. So. This was my first year head coaching, but I've been coaching since I've been coaching with this program, Beecher program since 2015. All right, Marquise, I'm going to have to have you twice because we're almost out of time here, but I want to ask you one last question. We'll Go end ahead. on this. I will end on this one. What was it like after all those years playing in the Breslin to walk back into the Breslin with these teams as many times as you did? Mm. What was it like to go back to the place where you really, you really grew as a man. It was like a homecoming. And what made it even better was I was doing it with kids that are from the same community and grew up how I grew up. And then also 
I, I, I kind of, our team, the teams that I was a part, we left legacy. We got two final fours, two big 10 championships and the national championship appearance. So every time I go back, I look at the, look up at the, uh, in the rafters and in the banners, you see those, I mean, in the rafters, you see those banners and, uh, it's an amazing feeling, and I'm able to tell those guys stories about those teams and how we persevered and how we got over, and uh, it kind of translates, you know, onto the court and to them. Marquis, great. You have an amazing life story, and you're yeah, an amazing person. It. You, you are an amazing it. young man. I, I uh, remember attending a luncheon with you and Judge Beagle, yep. and I said to him after that was over, I said, this guy is going to do some wonderful things in his life. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Yeah. Appreciate your support. Well, I'm honored you would take a few minutes to talk to me on my podcast. Thank you for uh, having me. I wish you all the best with your Beecher Buccaneers. And I'm hoping this year I can get get a game in or two before I head back to St. Pete here. Uh, Let me know whenever you you want to come and I got you covered. Thank you for joining me, Marquise.